you know, one thing about me, I am not good with rhythms. I gotta hate that. Issue. I'm so straightforward. Just tell me exactly what it is, and I'm good. You know, two plus two is always going to be four. That's why I'm a, I'm a math guy. But for this particular case, I had to really do some research on what the underlying message is about this particular passage. And um, the main theme is basically talent. So today, with uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, um, we're going to begin again. He will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who, he, who received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with him. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even that they have will be taken from him, from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. And uh, if you do have your Bibles or your Bible app still open, I'm going to be preaching and teaching from Matthew chapter 25. And you might be thinking, you know what? Uh oh, I need to remember. Uh, are we dismissed? We're dismissing the kids. Okay, sorry. Kids, you're dismissed to go along with Miss Kenya. Uh, I swear, we're really going to have to pay Miss Kenya for all that she does around here. She is such a blessing. Thank you so much. Hey, we appreciate you so much. And uh, kids, y'all will have a great time back there. And. Uh, learn some things that you will enjoy. All right. Um, 
if you were paying attention, if you were listening closely, you recognize the passage of Scripture that we shared today is one that we shared, I believe, three weeks ago. Uh, it is not an accident. It is not um, something that we, oh, I forgot. No, no, there's enough there in Matthew chapter 25 for me to share a lot more. And I wanted to share with, with you in a different context, but not just an overall life, but in a more of a specific professional job career kind of setting. So I tell you what, let's go to our next slide. And I am kind of going to be sharing a couple of quotes from this book called Atomic Habits. If you are interested, you can definitely jump in, grab this New York Times best-selling book that's available on Amazon. It's available on audio uh, book uh, via Audible if you're into that and have that particular app. And I'm sure there's other ways of getting it as well. Probably Barnes & Noble has an app that you can listen on. So there's lots going on in this book, and it is a really good book that will help you in lots of areas of your life. So if you'd like to read it, it's there, and uh, over 116,000 people can't be wrong at the beginning of January, and even more, I'm sure, now. Well, we've been talking a little bit, and I've mentioned a couple of different times the different areas of your life and how they all intersect and how they kind of have an interdependence on one another. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. And when I started thinking about the concept of rising, I didn't just simply want to come in here and simply say, well... Here's how you change your spiritual life, and this is just specifically for your spiritual life. I really wanted to tackle a lot of different small improvements in a lot of different areas and different facets of your life. If we can go to this next slide, we've talked a little bit about this, how your spiritual life affects your personal life and how your personal life affects your relational life and how your relational can affect your professional and your professional can affect your financial and on and on it goes and you can even just mentally draw a big arrow from the emotional affecting your spiritual which goes all the way back in this circular motion and how we talked about a little bit better um, result a little bit better practice and a little bit better habit in each one of those areas doesn't just lift one single area, it lifts many. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the professional life that you have and talk about it from Christ's perspective and the words that he shared in this parable. Now, I know that not all of you have jobs. I get that. Some of you have gotten to the place where you don't have to have a job because you're older and Lord knows that Social Security is super generous and you never have any problems with that. So you know how that goes, right? I knew I was not going to get an amen on super, you know, Social Security being super generous, right? But I also know that some of you are young. Some of you haven't even necessarily begun a career or begun a job. But I have noticed something in our world, and I want to just share it with you real quickly. And I don't want to try to be uh, too terribly judgmental about it, but I do want to say We've devalued work. We've, we've gone so far talking about, well, work smarter and not harder that we, in some ways, have kind of devalued the idea that, truth be told, sometimes you need to work hard to actually accomplish the things that are really powerfully going to change your life. Now, I know that not all of us have to work hard 24-7, 365, but you probably have had some, at least some seasons in your life where you absolutely had to bear down do more than you thought you could do, go longer than you thought you could go, do better quality work than you ever thought you could bring to the table. Am I right about that? I mean, you've been there. 
We've been there. Maybe some of you are there right now. And I want to value that and I want to I want to praise that because sometimes I think so many times we look at the the get rich quick schemes and the get rich quick stories and the overnight success stories that can kind of populate the internet and we think that's the way that life is. That's different and stands out because of how different it is. The reality is is that for most of us, we just simply go to work each and every day. We roll up our sleeves. We slowly improve our situations, and we look around, and we've built a life on good habit, built on good habit, stacked on another good habit over and over and over again. And those are usually the lives that are most sustainable as well as the ones which bring you the greatest amount of joy. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. And if you're young and you haven't begun a job, jobs ain't for suckers, man. I'm telling you, jobs are very, very fulfilling. Find the right one, plug yourself in, and get to be great at doing something that is worthwhile and noble. And it is a good thing. Now, can I get an amen on that so far? Can I get an amen? I don't know about y'all, but I don't want my, I don't want all three of my daughters to think jobs are for suckers because that means one of us has got to have a job forever. Now, it will probably be me, right? You understand what I'm saying? So we want to know that, yes, it is true. It can be difficult, but it is not something that we want to devalue. All right, very quickly, let's talk about one of these quotes from the Atomic Habits. It says that every Olympian wants to win a gold medal, and every candidate wants to get the job. And if every successful and unsuccessful person shares the same goals, then the goal cannot be what differentiates the winners from the losers. And this is important because for most of us, we think, well, if I just have a goal, then everything will work out fine. And how many of you know that goals are good, but they're not the end-all, be-all? I've had goals that I never got to. Can I get an amen on that, right? We've all been there. And so if that's the truth, then we have to, yes, set some goals, but go a little deeper about some things and make sure that, hey, it's not just simply about wishing or wanting something to happen. We talked a little bit about this as well, and I want to just kind of revisit the area, the three different areas of focus that we have in our lives and how we make those habits stick. So let's go to our next slide. Here we go. We've got the outer ring of outcomes, and then we say that focuses on a very narrow result. And we have the inner ring that talks about the processes, which is kind of the system of action. And then thirdly, we talk about the identity, where we focus on who we are. And so I've shared a little bit with you, and it goes a little deeper. Let's go to our next slide. And just focusing on the outcomes. Maybe you want to get a 50% raise. That's a very narrow result there. But maybe you begin to instead say, well, here's how I get that 50% raise. I start getting to work early, and I'm willing to travel rather than just simply be in one area all the time. But the identity is the inner ring, and that's the one where you and I start taking pride in who we are and not really worrying as much about the results, but worrying about making sure that we're becoming who we want to be. The identity of being a person who is capable of running the company is a lot more fulfilling than just simply getting a 50% raise. I know y'all don't agree with me right now. Y'all are like, well, I tell you what, give me a 50% raise and let me try to figure out if that's right or not, Randy. I get it. But the truth is, is that outcomes come and go. Processes will have to change, but the identity of who you are is incredibly important. And let me just 
sit down here for just a quick minute and say, think about who you are in Christ and your identity and the value that you can bring in all the different areas and facets of your life if God has His way, not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday mornings through Friday, Saturday, every single area of your life being touched by the identity of I'm a Christ follower, I'm a believer. And I'm not just a believer, I'm a believer who believes and lives what I believe. And so anytime the outcomes aren't coming correct, or anytime the processes are seeming a little flawed, I come back to who I am. And who I am in Christ identifies me first and foremost. And I say, this is who I am, and this is what it looks like when I live my life. All right, let's go to our next slide very quickly. This is that place that we want to be. Our next slide, as we share this one to remember, and I've been sharing this with you off and on throughout our Bible study in Rising. It is about, therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation The old has gone and the new has come. And if you want to be a person who is memorizing Scripture, you can memorize this. And this will definitely be one that encourages you to live your best life. All right. Let's talk about what your job is. Let's look at this next slide. Your job or your career is also your moneymaker for you and for others. It's not just for you to make as much money as you can, but it is also for you and for your family as well as for you and those that you can be a blessing to. And it is also not just the place that you show up, but it is also the place that you plug in and you have a mission field where you can be a blessing to other people. That is what your job and your career is. It's your moneymaker and your mission field. How many of you guys can identify with this, right? You know that some of these things are true. All right, well, let's go to our next slide. And this is something we've talked a little bit about, how rather than being on a treadmill, we want to actually be making progress. So I don't know where you are in your professional life. I don't know where you stand in things having to do with your job or whatever it might be. But my hope and goal is is that after today, not that you've got this 12-point plan or anything like that, but that you might have one or two thoughts that you can say, instead of just kind of being on this circular you know, treadmill, I want to actually begin to make some progress in my professional life. And maybe you're a student, your professional life is not paying you yet, but it is something that you're giving into, and you want to make progress. I hope that you will, and I hope that you'll learn a few things. Let's go to our next slide, and this is our big idea, that God desires my life to glorify Him and help others. This is one I've shared before, but I want to share it again. God desires my life to glorify Him and help others. So real quickly, again, let me just take a moment and kind of unpack that idea. So think about this for a second. Do you feel that it would be a good thing for you to declare? Okay, all right. Now I'm going to back this up and let's make it really real. You probably got a Christian shirt. You probably got a shirt that says something about Jesus on it or something like with your church name or something like that on your shirt. Can you imagine wearing that to work? and then working the way you work on a regular basis. Now, if that makes you have any kind of pit in your stomach going, uh-oh, I don't know if I should do that or not, then maybe you need to reevaluate where you are at work. Because sometimes we have a different set of beliefs in our mind and in our heart than what we're living out at work. 
We let work influence us instead of us influencing work. But God desires my life to glorify Him and help others. That's not just helping others out there, but also helping others at your job. So, real quickly, can you imagine a boss that says to you, are you a Christian? And you say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a Christ follower. And he says, you know, every Christian I've ever had that worked at the job was not a person that I would ever want to hire again. Can you imagine if that were ever said? That would be quite a slap in the face to you and a slap in the face to the Lord Himself, right? But the truth is, is that God desires my life, whether I'm giving it to my family or giving it to Him or giving it to those that I love or giving it to the church or giving it to the job that I have. It ought to be something that brings Him glory and honor. Now, if you start hearing all of those different categories, one of them feels a little different, doesn't it? It almost feels like, well, this is, you know, the secular part of my life. Every single element of our life is sacred, and it is there to glorify Him and help others. So would you guys say the big idea with me on the count of three? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. God desires my life to glorify Him and help others. All right, very good. Let's go to our next slide. Here's our something to learn. I shared this with you almost word for word last time. When Jesus tells this parable, also known as the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold, it's the second to last parable that he ever shares. The parable of the sheep and the goats is actually the last. But a talent at that time was a way to measure weight. It's not a talent as in a thing that you do well. Instead, it was a great weight of some substance, and gold and silver that was given to these managers was weighed out, and he said he gave five talents to one, and two talents to another, and one talent to another. It was not a talent, it was a weight of gold that he had given. He had entrusted them with something of great value. Let's go to our next slide. And here in Matthew chapter 25, there's a little bit of passage of Scripture that I want to go back and listen to once again. Because if you remember and recall what Paul just read a few moments ago, there was one who had five talents, and one who had two, and then one who had one. And he came and he talked to the one who had five. He said, I went and I put your money to work, and I, I, I earned five more. And so not only do you have the five that you gave me, but here's five more. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. I've seen as you're faithful over a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many. And then he came to the one who had two, and he said, I'd put your money to work, and the two that you had has now become two more, and four is the total, and here you go. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I've seen that you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. Now I want to stop right there and say, this is a beautiful thing, because he gives the same exact response to the one who has five talents as to the one who has two. You don't have to be a five-talent individual if you've been given two talents of opportunity, two talents of, of chances, two talents of uh, income that you can put into action for yourself. He's not holding you to the same standard. The Master holds all to the standard that applies only and specifically to them. But then, this is the passage of Scripture 
where he comes to the one talent servant and he speaks to him and he talks to him and here's what he says. But the one man who had received one bag of gold went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. And then jumping down to verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came to the master and said, Master, I knew that you're a hard man and that you harvest where you have not sown and you gather where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your gold in the ground. So see, here is what belongs to you. Now, before we go any further, Colin, if you don't mind, I want to ask you a question. If you were the master that had been told that by the person that you had entrusted something and been gone for a long time, would you feel like he had just complimented you or insulted you? Let's take a vote real quick. Here's the compliment, and here's the insult, okay? Uh, what is it? Did he compliment you, give me a yes, or he gave you an insult, didn't he? It's an insult. I knew that you're a hard man and that you profit off the backs of other people when you don't do the work, but you make the investment, right? That's basically what he's saying. And so here, I'm giving you back what you have. Now, let me ask you another quick question. Can you imagine you giving something to somebody and saying, hey, I want you to use this? I'll be gone for a while, so use this for whatever you can to make business good for me. I'm investing in you. I believe in you. Will you do something with this? And they say, sure. And then they go and take it and bury it in the ground. And later we'll see the rest. He says, you could have at least put it at the bank and I'd have gotten some interest with it. You know, I mean, maybe they were getting interest rates like we're getting these days in a savings account. Not much, right? Practically burying it in the ground. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. The man who gave the bag away had access to a shovel. Can I get an amen? You know what I'm saying? He could have dug a hole for himself, but he didn't because he didn't want that there in a hole somewhere. But we don't see this as laziness the way that the master does. And so it's so important to grasp. He didn't say, hey, I don't have time to dig a hole. Throw it in the ground for me. He said, no, no, I'm entrusting you with something of great value and worth. Make it count. Now I'm going to say to you, what God has given to all of us in this room, He has given all of us something of great value and great worth. Here, I will be gone for a while. Take this, use this, make it count. Glorify me. Make a impact in your world. You can see it, right? You can see God saying that to you and to me. So here's what I have to ask you. For most of us, here's what we do. We're getting all worried about whether or not we're a five talent or whether we're a two-talent, or whether we're a one-talent. We're trying to figure all of that out. And usually that involves comparing ourselves to someone else and the opportunities and talents and gifts and all that stuff that they have. When what does God want us to do? Does He want the two-talent servant to go, you know what, be really prideful because you're better off in your situation than the one-talent servant. Is that what He wants? Get the one who's got five and say, hey, take pride because you're at the top of the rung. Is that what he wants? Of course not. 
The whole point here is use the opportunities that you have and don't just simply bury them in the ground. He says, I knew you're a hard man, that you get money off the backs of those, that you haven't done any work, so I was afraid of you. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And then we go to our next part of the passage of Scripture. And his master replied, you're a wicked and lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I hadn't sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you could have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. I want to be very clear about something. We're always trying to figure out where we're in this pecking order rather than am I making a difference and making an impact. And for people who always have opportunities, we can take them for granted and we can forget that this is an important thing, that we need to be out there and be involved in that. All right, very quickly, let's go to this next slide. And here's a don't miss this. The master gives the one bag of gold to the ten talent servant because he's shown his character is different than the other man. He's been diligent and not, for, not offered excuses or shifted the blame with his work responsibilities. He's been the man who has character. So let me talk about what your job is. So far, you guys have agreed with me that it's your money maker and it's your mission field. But you guys realize that your job is also your manufacturing center? Now, you're like, I don't manufacture anything. I'm a, I'm a knowledge worker or I'm a teacher or whatever. I know. But it is making something out of you every time you are a part of your job. Now, you guys know what I'm saying, right? Y'all know? It's making you a different person than you would have been had you not been involved in your job. Yes, it's a mission field. Yes, it's making you money. Yes, it's a way for you to be a blessing. But it's also the area where you got to show up when you say you're going to show up and do what they ask you to do, even if it's not something that you want to do. It's making you something different every time you show up. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm saying? It's making you a different person. Because in a lot of our world, we do everything according to our own desire, our own schedule, and everything that we want is on demand, except for when somebody puts the demand on us and says, now I'm coming back, make sure you're ready to deliver the goods when I come back. Now, here's what I mean. All right, now, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to try to tell a few jokes here. This is where I do a little comic relief right here in the middle. Hopefully you all find these as funny as I did. And no, I'm not really funny by telling jokes, but I'm funny about putting jokes on the screen. So here we go. All right. My face that I make when I see you leaving work earlier than me every time. Any of y'all can identify with that? Okay, I thought those. Uh, am I the only? All right, a few of them. Getting ready for work is like this. I mean, caffeine it up, right? All right, what about this next one? I don't always tolerate stupid people, but when I do, I'm probably at work. What about this one? When you're at work checking the time, it's 3 p.m. You check again three hours later, it's 3.13 p.m. You have to show up. You have to stay at work. You have to go and do the things that you don't want to do. You have to deal with people that you don't want to deal with. This is manufacturing something in you. It's making you a different person. It's making you someone different. How can you make this count? 
how can you stand out at work? Let me just share a few things. How to be a standout at work? You keep on rising. Yeah, you all see that, right? Rising, always adding to your skill set. Let's go to our next slide. Every action you take is a vote for the type of person that you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity, that, that inner circle, who you are becoming. This is one reason why meaningful change does not require radical change. Let's keep going. Small habits make a meaningful difference by providing evidence of a new identity. And if the change is meaningful, it actually becomes big. It's the paradox of making small improvements. Now, I don't know if you're following along what he's saying there, but it's just this. A big change is one small change after another, repeated over and over and layered and built on the other. If you want to see things change in your work life, you don't need to go from being a person that shows up at 8.30 in the morning to being a person that shows up at 4.30 in the morning, right? You don't need that. Especially, I would just say, most of the time, nobody else is there to see that, right, when you show up at 4.30. So come in a little later. But what you can do is instead instead of being there at 8.30 or 8.40-ish, be there at 8. Be there at 7.45. And be there ready to go every time that you are called to the meeting, every time that you're a part uh, of whatever is going on. Be the person who raises your hand and says, you know what, I don't know how to do that, but if you'll train me, I'll give it a shot. Because for most of us, we can be people who are so comfortable, and we can be people who are protected by our job descriptions. And not, y'all know what I'm talking about? Somebody says, hey, we need this done, and we need somebody on the team to pick up this slack. And you say, well, I tell you what, are you going to pay me some more or not? And, you, and they say, well, no, we're not paying you more. And they're like, I ain't doing it. Why? Because... Y'all, I've got my, my iPad here that I'm going off of, and if Siri just says, I'm not sure I understand. Do any of y'all feel that same way as Siri does? Uh, I think uh, I'm preaching to her, and I don't mean to be. All right, turn it off. All right. But here's the thing. If you do not say, I will keep rising in my skill set, man, <laughs> world will pass you by quickly if you're not careful. So you have to keep saying, teach me. I will learn. I don't have to be paid more. But do you realize that every time you make an investment, you're not investing in the company. You're investing in, guess who? You. I told you, listen, see? She's preaching to me. There we go. I'm going to turn this down. Sorry about that. Okay. Did y'all hear that? Series. Um, this is the truth. We make the small improvements, and then eventually they begin to stack on top of each other and become larger. Let's go to our next slide. How do you be a standout at work? Wherever you are, what's the last two lines, or the last two words of that line? Be there. All right. <clears throat> True confession, good for the soul. How many times have you been at work, and you're thinking about what's really going on at home, and it distracts you, and you're not really engaged at work. Have you all been there? Now, how many times have you been at home and not really been engaged with what's going on at home because you're worried about what's going on at work? 
Can I, right? Now, how many of y'all have done the same exact thing that I just described, but you've done it on the same exact day? Have y'all ever done that? It's like this morning I was worried about being at home while I was at work. Now I'm at work and I'm worried about, or at home and I'm worried about being at work. All in the same day, we've never really shown up and given our best to anything that we're participating in. How can we be a standout at work? Be engaged. Can I share something with you? If you don't mind, let's go back just a little bit. Right there. Can I just say that if your job requires you to be in a meeting and your boss is talking, I would put everything down if I were you. I really would. And it doesn't mean that you're really super paying attention. But I promise you, as somebody who gets up in front of other people and speaks for a living, I like it when people are looking my way instead of doing this. Not that y'all are. Y'all are great to speak to. I promise you, you are. But if your boss is up there, he's telling you, and you're doing this, it's not good. You'll help yourself to be engaged and you know what? If somebody's underneath you, maybe that's the time to pick up the phone, but not when the guy above you is doing his thing. Make sure he sees that your eyes are there and that you're engaged because it matters. It matters if you're engaged. All right, so very quickly, let's go to our next slide. According to Nick Saban, there's two sides of discipline. Something that you should do, but you don't want to do it. Can you make yourself do it? And then the second side is there's something that you shouldn't do, but you, but you know you should. Can you keep yourself from doing that thing that you don't need to do? There's two different sides of discipline. It's important that we get both sides right. Let's go to our next slide. This flywheel concept is one small change, one small click, and you can see all of the gears that are there. And one little click doesn't make a huge difference. But each one builds momentum as it keeps going round and round and round. Let's go to our next slide here. How to be a standout at work. Know that you're hired for hardships, headaches, and hassles. Hardships, headaches, and hassles. Okay, now let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever said, this is super easy to do, and I've got tons of time, that I could do it, and there's a lot of money that it's going to cost me to pay somebody else. That's what I'm going to do. No, 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 no. You never do that. If you can do it yourself, if it's easy, if you've got lots of time, then you will do it yourself, and you will save yourself the money. But it's headaches, hardships, and hassles that get hired. And how many times are we sitting there at work going, man, it's another day, it's another problem. Every time there's a problem, guess what that means? That means that you've got job security. Because that problem that your boss doesn't want to handle, he's going to let you handle and he'll pay you to do it. But it's really easy to have a bad attitude in the midst of it. You guys understand what I'm saying? Why? Because it's another headache. And then tomorrow it's another new headache. And it will always be that way. But we're hired to take care of hardships and headaches and hassles and go forward with those things and you take care of those for someone else. Let's go to our next slide. Very quickly, don't miss it. It's hard to live a great life if you always choose to run away from hard things. Now listen to this last part. This is new. 
we take pride in ourselves and get satisfaction by accomplishing hard things. I wish I could quote it perfectly, but it's pretty close. There was a person who once said, in all of us, there are hidden treasures of resources and power that we don't actually bring to bear in our daily life. We know that we're half-stepping and almost sleepwalking in our lives most of the time. But do you realize that if you go through your entire life doing just enough and never fully engaging in anything, that it's difficult for you to ever have a real self-respect because you know you haven't given your all. You knew you had more to give, but you didn't try. You knew you could get by with little less, and so you gave less. Not because it was your best, but because it was good enough. I'm just going to say this. For most of us, we're sleepwalking through life and giving less than our best and then wondering why we're half asleep when it comes to the passion that's inside of us. Can I tell you even further? Can I just go all the way to meddling? This is where we start hating our lives and thinking that the problem is out there when the truth is is that the problem is in here that I haven't given my very best. To give my very best makes me come alive on the inside and all this other stuff takes second place. But if I don't ever give my best to anything, I will never really come alive. And it's easier to look out there and say, it's their fault. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's my job's fault. It's on and on. And that starts sounding an awful lot like the guy in the story that Jesus said, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you reaped where you didn't sow. And here's all of the reasons that I didn't actually give my very best. You remember? And what does Jesus say at that moment? He says, but you are a lazy and wicked servant. I gave you opportunities and I gave you everything that you needed. Go out and make a difference. Make an impact. And many times we don't. All right, let's go on very quickly. How to be a standout at work. (laughs) We've got to avoid being lumped in with the lazy and the negative people at work. Now, all right, let me ask you another question. How many of you, close your eyes for just a second. How many of you know who the most negative person in your whole group is at work? Can I see your hand? Can I see, you know who it is, right? You don't even have to think about it. You already know. And have you ever had this experience where you're maybe at a meeting and you're over at this side of the table and they come over and sit next to you and then your boss says something about what we're going to change and what we're going to do and they start complaining and the boss turns and looks and he looks right at you. And you're like, I didn't say it. I I, I didn't want to be the negative one. I'm not the one who's complaining. Like, I love my job. I want to keep my job. You don't want to be seen as the person who's there along the negative and being always constantly in the lazy group. That's scary stuff. If you're there, I would encourage you, find a reason to be the last one to the table so you get to choose who you're sitting around. And I choose to sit around somebody who's positive, not the negative one. Because you can get lumped in. Have you ever noticed that? Where there's always somebody who's negative, and then there's somebody who didn't say anything, but you assume that they feel the same because they always go around to that same person. So be careful. 
Now, I want to go even deeper in what Jesus said in this passage of Scripture. Let's go to our next slide. If you look at this passage in Luke 19, he tells the story a little differently. He shares additional insights. In Luke 19.11, he says, While they're listening to this, he went to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. This is a parallel passage, and we go a little deeper. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to be gone for a while. So you've got time to make a difference and make an impact. Do it, and I am going to come back. But here's what was said in Luke 19. Let's go to the next slide. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work until I come back. But his subjects hated his their boss. They sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. And then he said later on in the passage to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. Sir, he already has ten. How could you do that thing? They've got all kinds of opinions that don't matter to the master, but they've always got suggestions. Be careful that you don't get lumped in with the negative or those who are undermining that work. Instead, be involved and may be a support. Let's go to our next slide as we come very close to our close. How to be a standout at work. Do your best work, no matter how big or how small the job is. This is just five simple things. And I share them all with you, and I've talked about them enough. This is where I want to stop. But can you just notice something? None of these are earth-shattering. None of these are a huge change. None of this is something that you have to do something dramatically different. But if you start doing these on a consistent basis, your situation in your professional life will change. It will be better, and it will be better work situation for you and you will be a person who stands out as different. So very quickly, how do we apply this message? You plan a good starting place in your life. You take one small action and then you build on that one action and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. This is the same application every time. I'm not asking for a huge change. Just make a small one and then repeat it. I've got a, vid, a video that I want to make sure and share with you guys, so let me just share this with you, and uh, let's check out this video together. To the educators who taught us how to read, how to learn, and how to make a difference. To the farmers who supply our world and give us the food we need. To the coaches who show us how to work together to achieve our goals. To the medical workers who give help and healing to the hurting. To the architects and builders who create spaces where people can come together. To the artists and musicians who create beauty and inspire us to do great things. To the officers and soldiers who protect our families, our cities, and our nation. To the pastors and church workers who care for our souls, to all who labor, we want you to know your work matters. It matters to you. It matters to us. And most importantly, it matters to God.
as we close today, I want to encourage you, and I hope and pray that 2013 is literally... Y'all hear what I just said? Y'all okay? Do y'all ever have problems like that? <laughs> 2023, I'm only a decade behind. Y'all pray for me, right? 2023, I hope and pray it is literally your best year ever. And especially with all that's come before in 2020, 21, and 22. And 2023 has and holds all kinds of opportunities in your relational life, in your spiritual life, in all of these areas, your physical, your intellectual, as well as your financial and your professional. And I hope it's the best ever. But I encourage you with this. It is important that you decide to be a person who pushes these things forward rather than waits for them to happen. I believe with all my heart that we've been given opportunities. Please take advantage and then watch and see how God blesses those.